I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. When are we not? When are we not? When... Tell you what, though, you were talking about listening to some hardcore metal. Uh, a friend of mine, well, actually, Marcus sent me a, a, a reel on Instagram. I, I guess it was meant to be funny, and it was like this dwarf metal band, but not dwarf as in like tiny person. Dwarf like they dress up like Lord of the Rings dwarves with like the oh fur yeah and like the beards. And I was like, dude, did you ever listen to Rhapsody as a kid? Did you ever listen to Rhapsody? No. Okay. Everyone's heard that was a Dragon Force or whatever that 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 band yeah, that was on guitar yeah. here. Okay. Rhapsody was their inspiration, and like oh. sh- shredding guitars with full orchestra, singing about dwarfs and goblins and knights and dragons and mystical wizards and fantasy galore. So, if you're interested in fantasy Lord of the Rings style metal. Listen to Rhapsody. Is it like the Mega Man type guitar stuff though? Like Dragon Force was? It's it's speed, definitely speed metal with legit licks and good chords and rhythm and a full orchestra. Hmm. Yeah. They came out ar- around the same time the Dream Theater came out. So like super technical but still quasi-melodic. Um, but Dream Theater took off more in terms of mainstream just because they were touring with bands like Megadeth. So, but yeah, check them out. Rhapsody. Bohemian? Very, very bohemian. Cheers. Well, I need my caffeine and my medicine to kick in. Slurp it up, boy. Because this is episode 161 of Snakes and Stogies. Oh. Brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Use the code THN at checkout. Save yourself some money. Get yourself something nice. You don't like racks? That's great because they have a bunch of cages. You don't like cages and you like racks? That's awesome too. Because guess what? They got those as well. Something to fit all the needs that you and your little reptilians' hearts could possibly desire. Amphibians, too. The best ceiling of any PVC cage I've ever had. How how so? Well, well, the, the pieces of the PVC that are put together they fit tighter than a jigsaw puzzle. Like they're just perfect. And then they seal everything in actual like silicone sealant, but it's not like just like globs of it, like a fish tank, like you'd get from, you know, a 10 gallon Mm -hmm. or 20 gallon fish tank. No, no, no. This is like perfectly etched and lined with no little stragglers, no little fine hairs of silicone, just flawlessly smooth, almost blended to the touch. Very impressive. No, no, this isn't just that. Yes. Yes. So, give them a follow. 
go on their website, shop around a little bit. Maybe you're not buying today. Maybe you're not buying tomorrow. But until you see some of the what they have to offer, I have yet to have someone get something from Black Box, like legitimately come to me and be like, I really don't like these. Yeah. And for some reason, I'm usually like one of the people that people come to with either questions or like comments and stuff. And I have still yet in like the two years that they've been with us. Uh, I have not had someone say like, these are horrible. Yeah. I haven't even any, but I haven't even seen anybody message the Instagram or the Facebook page or anything saying that, like even behind the scenes, it doesn't happen. Uh, you do need a bio G. That's a great, great cage. That's one of my favorites. Um, as I've mentioned before, just super versatile. There's a ton of applications for it. Um, it's, I think, originally it was sort of catered more towards like geckos and stuff like that. But man, like the rhinos love them. Um, I've used them for conjures a little bit. If I was doing them for conjures again, I'd definitely make some changes and have the solid sides and not the screen sides um, just to keep some of the humidity sort of in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's for young, like smaller stuff. That doesn't get huge. Um, you know, eventually the adult rhinos are going to get fully bumped up. I have the pair together now in the cube, but I have that other male that that will get upgraded at some point, maybe to an 18 by 18 by 18. Um, I don't know yet. He's he's doing fine in, in that currently. So um, I have the persinum in, in one each as well, and they're they're loving it. So it's an awesome cage. It's an awesome setup. Can't recommend them enough. Uh, and they look good. They look sharp. And I think, did I mention, like, when you have multiples, they come with, uh, there's, like, this ganglia of of inputs that all conjoin to a single plug to the plug for the wall for the lights. So, like, all four, five, actually, of the BioGs I have are all connected to the same power cord. So, I don't have five different plugs having to find at home and an outlet or a, a, a surge protector they all go to one and since they're leds they don't use a ton of electricity or energy and uh i like that a lot i like having things more streamlined and condensed so i like the cord mitigation in terms yeah. of tracking like small tracks little little baby trenches in between each enclosure so if you're stacking them or you just want to have your cords lay across the top nice with like a piece of tape or something the cord mitigation that they give you with each enclosure is top of the line that that in itself is awesome agreed if there's uh if there's a been an issue with the traditional rex and how they've been designed like black box has definitely figured out a way to get rid of any of the headaches that you'd possibly have with them, especially, you know, with the updated sort of systems they're doing now, um, you know, having that power cord now that's different for the racks that is, you can, it's almost universal. Like you can find those power cords cause it's, I think it's the same type that people use for, for a lot of computers and stuff. Um, being able to find whatever length works for you and know that it's going to work with that rack. Like that's a, that's a huge deal. Cause I know for me, like even getting secondhand racks, like having a power cord to plug in the heat tape and stuff and it not being long enough, no matter where you have it, um, or it having to be like right on top of an outlet just to get it to reach and stuff. That's a, that's a major, 
major hassle. So the fact that you could go to Staples or Walmart even and find that power cord or, you know, buy directly from Black Box, uh, I think they're, they have at least two length options currently. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I also, I got LEDs with mine and I got dimmer switches and not just dimmer switches like low, medium, high, like legit multi-setting dimmer switches. Set and, it wherever you want, yeah. And I'm so excited. I'm not doing it right now, but within the next year when I finally get everything choreographed, I'm very excited to be able to dim the lights to contrast with seasonality. So if it's cooler in winter or it's more overcast, or let's say we get a bunch of storms, I can dim that down or, or with, with where they're still getting some light and I can still see what's going on and they can still have some, some, some ambiance to their enclosure, but it's not just straight up dark or straight up bright. Right. You know, I'm very excited about that. Um, Patrick asked if they make a four wide by two deep by four high. Uh, I don't believe we do currently. They do a four by two by two. Um, and that's one of the things too, is like, if there's a size that's in high enough demand, um, you know, they're, they're more than willing to look into if it's something worth sort of pursuing and eventually releasing, they are working on new stuff all the time. So, you know, it's things will be get updated and, and there will be new stuff available as, as time goes on. So, uh, but check out blackboxcages.com, see the whole catalog, a lot of stuff. Um, Jake and I still have to. We're Jake's out of town, so we're not getting up there this weekend. But hopefully, I think maybe the end of the month. Maybe I don't know. Ellie's birthday is at the end of the month, so we'll have to see. But, Rock and roll. But hey, there's also the the fine folks in in the Puget Sound up there in the the Pacific Northwest that you also need to be following. You need to go to Facebook and Instagram. Uh, give them a follow. You, they have a YouTube channel. They haven't posted on in a while, but that is also worth following because they've posted some really cool stuff in the past. Uh, and then, you know, follow them on Morph Market, all that good stuff. Uh, good people. Lucky to call them friends. And uh, yeah, get an animal to put in your black box enclosure. That's right. That's right. That's right. What's what's happening down there in good old good old South Florida? A lot of rain, man, and like just a lot of rain and a lot of crazy weather. Um, it was like 86, 87 today with like 100% humidity, but right now it's like 72 and breezy. It's really bizarre, and we've just been getting a ton of rain, and I know a lot of people were – a lot of people reached out to, to me to kind of check in and make sure I wasn't flooded or anything. To all of you, I, I love you all, and I appreciate all that. Um, I'm not affected by that in the least capacity where I'm – geographically located uh it's close to me but it's it's almost all in the cities as we've talked about before and that's what happens when you build human habitation in a swamp so things like that happen but it is really weird to get this much weather in the, this time yeah of it is kind of odd it's it's been super squirrely up here too um like it was 55 this morning and it's been a little cool the last couple of days because we also have had a lot of rain coming in and like yesterday was crazy windy. I don't know about down there, but it like was odds, like thing. bizarrely, like the clouds were freaking moving. Looking, like you look up and they're just like, Chum! it's like you were yeah. in a freaking Millennium Falcon when they kick that thing into, you know, when they hit the NOS. <laughs> and uh, 
it made me and Justin Olson went herping yesterday uh, out nice. at a wildlife refuge out his way, sort of in the Bluffton Hilton Head area, which is kind of ironic and funny that there's even a wildlife refuge out there considering it's like the most developed part of the area down here. But like nestled right between Bluffton Hilton Head is this like island that's something like 4,000 acres, like surprisingly large. Wow. And you can't even really see it from the bridge you go over to go onto Hilton Head. Um, and we went and walked that and like it was raining for a little bit when we got there and then it cleared up and then the clouds came back in and it drizzled a little bit more and then it cleared up and then the sun came out and there wasn't a cloud in the sky and then the wind just kept kicking and like it was just it was wild it was like at first because we've been watching the weather all week because we were planning to go hit this place up and we were like yeah it's supposed to rain all day uh sunday and then it ended up like they were saying it was supposed to rain Saturday, but Saturday was perfect. Like it was really nice. There wasn't any rain at all. And then Sunday, like woke up and it was raining really hard. And then by like 10 o'clock, it had stopped and like things had cleared up and then clouds rolled back in. And then it was just topsy turvy. Yeah, it was all over the place. <clears throat> but it worked out. I mean, I think the high was like 75. Um, still found some stuff. So that's cool, man. I wasn't complaining. That's awesome. Is that where you got that Tantilla? No, that was at my parents' house the other day. <laughs> nice. I wonder if it was the same one. <laughs> I was flipping stuff. No, I actually found two that day. I've seen a lot <laughs> of them lately. I don't know what the sort of the insurgence is of, of Coronada that I've I've seen lately, but those little guys are cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if it has anything to do with this is something I've been thinking a lot about. Um uh I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. It was recent. It may have been you and Jake, or it may have been the the PH guys. Um, but somebody was talking about how their yard is completely devoid of pesticides, and their neighbors are as well. So when the time comes, they harvest a lot of greens for tortoises and what have you, uromastics, whatever. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly which show. And and, and if you're listening, I think that might have been me. that might have been me and Jake. Okay, and um. Actually, it might have been. Was it? Was it Ryan? Was it you and me with Ryan? Yeah, yeah I think it was. I think that's what it was. And uh, I started. I know it, was, it felt like it's ages ago. <laughs> uh, burning the candle at both ends, kids. Ah. So I was thinking a lot about that, and I was thinking about you having a lot of tantilla in your parents' yard, and your parents obviously have been there. I've seen the house; it's a beautiful spread, and their neighbors are not close. But I oftentimes wonder if the houses that are constantly landscaped or constantly sprayed for pesticide or ant killer or or, or whatever, if it drives those animals, especially the fossorial stuff, to a place like your parents' house where it's not constantly landscaped and it's not constantly pesticided, sprayed, sodded, whatever, you know? I don't know. I I mean, I think think in in terms of those small fossorial snakes. Um, I mean, you're looking at an animal that has probably a very small range in terms of like daily movement in terms of where it's going. Yeah. But uh, I feel like we'd be surprised, you know, I think the amount of leaf litter in an area, cause that's where you're going to see a lot of like steraria and, and tantilla and stuff. Like there's so many Oak trees and pine trees here that, and, and Magnolia too, for that matter. I mean, you go to the next to my house and there's like probably a solid six plus inches of leaf litter wow. before you even start really hitting dirt. 
and you see all the tiny just roaches and stuff that just scurry about in there like that's i think that's that's what it's all about and i think when you have like a super well manicured lawn and things like that and landscape that's constantly um sort of refreshed and like remulched and things like that it definitely deters a lot of that stuff so yeah i don't know i think it's a it's an availability of the right micro habitat kind of thing yeah very well. they've, they've also found you know steraria though when they were moving plants out of the flower beds to somewhere else and you know so it's not completely stopping those but i still have that interesting like gangs in new york theory about tantilla and steraria and ringnecks and like the constant competition for for a particular acreage and how you'll you're likely to see more of of one of those three i think than the other two and it's just because that's that's they've outcompeted the other two in a given you know square footage sure 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 it's a great great theory i think yeah. maybe tantilla would be sort of the exception i guess you have earth snakes too so that kind of adds a fourth player into the mix, but I've yet to find an earth snake here. Um, you know, Tantilla being, I think, more centipede oriented in terms of food and stuff, that kind of, I guess, sort of leaves them on the outs of that that whole turf war. But I know that like ringnecks and stuff will eat that stuff. Right. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I also just going back to turf war. It, I think that we oftentimes see herpers flipping tin, flipping boards, carpet, whatever. And they may find m more than one species under one flip, right? But you rarely see one more than one of those three or four genera mm -hmm. in a flip. Yeah. And I, I would really be curious to see how many, at least East Coast Herpers, have found, you know, uh, uh, a decay, a pine wood, and a tentilla all under the same board. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, when we were when we were in Okani, Chaz, we found a like I mentioned it in the last THP episode when we were looking through that. It was like a shower curtain or something that someone had just left rolled up in the wood line, and I was almost sure there was some sort of body or potty part in it. Um, <laughs> and we found there was two ringnecks and a decays. Okay. So I, I mean, I, I, I don't have. I'm not saying like if you only see Tantilla, that means there isn't Storaria or, or um, Ringnecks. Um, I think it's just you're likely to see the ones that are sort of that's their that's their little area. You know, they're the ones that have outcompeted everything else for that particular space. But if you have enough resources in terms of food, and I mean, there's bugs everywhere. That's not an issue. You know. Yeah. And I think you're you're it's not going to be uncommon to see stuff sharing that same area. But I think in terms of like here where I'm at and not seeing many ringnecks, but seeing a good bit of Steraria and a good bit of Tantilla, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's just particular areas of that property where I think you're bound to find more of one over the other. Just yeah, out of the nature of things. Yeah, but man, like I was telling Justin yesterday, when we were walking around, man. I was like, I just. Lately, you know, within the last like year or so, I've just I'm becoming more and more obsessed with native stuff. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I don't know if it's an age thing. Like I'm just getting older, and I'm like, I don't. I like. I don't know how to put it, but I think, uh, it, and I don't want to speak for you, but I feel very, very similar. And 
uh, as cool as it was in my younger years to herp Florida and the Eastern seaboard, it, it's awesome animals, but you're so enamored with what you don't have at home. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's that it's the running joke that we always say about how Australians hate their animals and we hate ours and we love each other's vice versa, whatever. Right. All musicians want to be actors and all actors want to be musicians. Exactly. Um, but I feel like you do get to a certain point, whether it be uh, experience or age, and that's with both captive wildlife and herping or just field work or just being out in nature mm-hmm. where you learn to appreciate what you have. And that doesn't mean you're going to only keep, you know, Florida native stuff if you live in Florida, but you definitely appreciate what you have way more as time goes on. And I, I think it's great. I just, man, yeah, and it's it's been like thinking of ring ringnecks in particular been on my mind a lot lately, and I just think about how cool that species is. Same with Storaria, you know, more so red bellies that we have here. Decays don't don't do a ton for me, um, mm-hmm. and just the thought of like it would be really fun to try my hand at keeping those. Yeah, just to see like, especially ringnecks in particular, like how how difficult would they be. You know, I feel like Storaria, I think they they take to captivity fairly well. Um, but I feel like ringnecks may be a little more, a little more tough, a little more challenging. Um, yeah, if, if it really comes down to feeding and how committed yeah, you yeah. are to keeping that species, you know, it's like it's like the guys that keep horn toads. And yeah, yeah. if you have. I'm not saying this is a, as a definitive. I'm not, this is not, I'm speaking in generalities when I say this, but if a keeper only has three or four pet reptiles and they say to themselves, man, I really want to get into horn toads. I, I want to do it. I want to have, I want to get the carpenter ants and make the, the fake ant mound and have a, a feeding system that comes up from the bottom of the enclosure with a bulkhead and a, 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 a liner with a stick to have the ants go up the liner. Like that's awesome. The problem is most people are not going to commit that in depth. See, I, Luke Myers has has it best because he works at one of the zoos out west, and they have those, and that's what right. they do. And it's like yeah. ideal because it's like they already have them; they're already set up. You just kind of get to enjoy them and take care of them. You don't have right. to like worry about all the other stuff of getting the setup right and finding the ants and keeping the ants going. And like, I'm sure he has some sort of hand in like the ordering and stuff of those. Sure, but, sure. You know. It, like, because I'd do that in a heartbeat if it wasn't going to be such a headache to get everything together, you know. Yeah, I feel like if Those I are so cool. I feel like if I didn't have my collection that I have now, and let's say I had like a pet corn snake, right, or maybe a pair of king snakes, and I wanted to set up like a hundred gallon enclosure with like five or six horn toads, all one same species. I could get the climate just right. I get the the soil good and 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 set it up as best possible and have multiple ant multiple fake ant mounds and have a, a running a, a running order with one of the ant supply companies from these these research labs and just they're sending me vials of carpenter ants and maybe if I have a separate multiple separate ant farms of just that one species of ant to propagate and to supplement my orders that I'm getting from the labs. Hell yeah, rock and roll would be awesome. Yeah. But I know myself, that's not my thing, you know, and I feel like I would rather appreciate them from afar, like like you and I do, and live vicariously through people like him and keep what I have. And and that's just it, it's being honest with yourself, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's like like my thing with coral snakes, eastern coral snakes. I would love to keep an eastern coral snake. I have the coolest enclosure, and I've been talking about this for years. I just need to buck up and do it. I have the coolest enclosure idea, and I've got it drawn out in paper and everything. But I know damn well in my soul that I'm not going to be able to feed the thing properly. I'm not going to be able to get the the correct snakes or the correct amount of snakes. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I don't know, man. Like, I think if you were able to find someone that, like, was wholesaling corns or something, you know, uh, when we had one at at the Nature Center, we somehow, I don't know where they ended up getting them, but we'd have, like, dead rough green snakes in the freezer and like garters and some corns and, and other odds and ends. And that's what we would feed that coral periodically. And we would just thaw that out and just lay it on the, cause it was literally just a tank with, with like some sort of leaf litter on top and then like a loose soil underneath that. And you, we would see that thing every now and then. And I've, yeah. I, I was doing some reading on it the other night, actually, cause I was flipping through one of my, my that Whit Gibbons book on snakes of the southeast, right? Uh, and they had mentioned that they're more diurnal, and I more than than I originally thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember now thinking about it like that coral would be out sort of earlier in the in the day, and it'd come and cruise for a little bit, and then it'd disappear underground. But it's like we put that that thought out corn or, or rough green in there, and it would just pop his little head out, go and find it, eat it, yeah. and then disappear again. Yeah, and, and it it's funny. Cool as hell. It's funny you mentioned that, and I knew Henry was going to chime in because Henry is the Ophiophagus master, right? And he's in there. He says, oh, stop. It's not that hard. And he's right. It's not that hard. It's a combination of me knowing myself and knowing that I would not give it 100%, right? But just being being honest with myself and that I I know I couldn't dedicate the time to the procurement of the food or getting it to eat pre-killed stuff and like henry and i we, we worked with a lot of um uh uh cincta, um uh, south american corals right and we got lucky with a lot of them where we would lay a dead ring neck in there or yeah. lay a, a a stillborn king snake and it would just it would do it but then again i've also tried that with several fulvias and they look at me like i'm crazy hmm. you know they're like i'm a wild snake i don't want that what is that it's dead. It smells. Get it out of here. So, yeah. which is why all the venom production line guys that do my curas, they do liquid diet, which I don't want to do. You know, that's an yeah. I mean, that's another level. And I mean, you're looking at like talking about like what Jack Facente does, and it's right. It's, all he's focused on is corals, and he's got it down to a science because he's been doing it for so long. And like for venom production reasons, you know, as like Nathaniel from M Toxins has mentioned, you know. Things are a little more regulated and specific. You know, it's not just finding random dead snakes and feeding those. You know, there's, there's, there has to be a little more uh, protocol, I guess, behind it. Right. And if my pet managed to contract something, it wouldn't be that. I mean, it would be a big deal, but it wouldn't be that big a deal opposed to infecting an entire laboratory that's used for human grade medicine stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I see that. I see that. But uh, just to, circle back my whole rationale of of the micrurus and the the horn toads is someone's got to really be dedicated to the tantilla or to yes. um uh the pine woods. Yeah. yeah yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, Patrick said, don't they, you know, feed on slugs and they eat earthworms and arthropods and sounds like a little bit everything. Other snakes, um, I'm assuming Tantilla and, and Steraria if they find one small enough. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's just, that's such a cool little snake. And like, you see him and then you flip him over. And it's just like, oh my God, like that. Yeah. That yellow is just like, holy shit. Yeah. They're screaming. And I've I've seen people keep the Western ringnecks, the ones that get decent size, mm-hmm. and they would, as a supplement to whatever they're feeding them, they'll get uh, cooked snails from uh, Asian food market or mm-hmm. whatever grocery store might have them, or bait shop might have them, and they'll just cut them in strips. They're a little easier to to to, the, yeah. to mouth. And they'll put them on a paper plate and, and they'll eat them. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if if Eastern ringnecks would do that, but I think if you if you got lucky like that, I would try my hand at it. Like if I came across a ringneck, you know, set it up in something small, nothing huge, I'd give it a shot. And then it's like, hey, you know, after three weeks, if it's not really getting anywhere, then go and release it where I found it and yeah. move on. You know, sure. I bet you you could probably get away with one in like an ant farm. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, probably it, you could probably make an ant farm and see if they have like a little thicker one. And then even if you got like some black paint and like painted the back of it black. So like there's still like that, that subterranean yeah. feel, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> or just a piece of paper tape that you can just like lift. Yeah. You know, that's, that's removable. Yeah. One, but... yeah. You could even do like stacks of leaf litter on top, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. It'd just be fun. Yeah. I say you do it. I say, I say, if you I can find another ring neck, I was hoping we'd find one yesterday. We were out and about, didn't see any. I was kind of surprised. But yeah. found that nice copperhead and then we found a racer, um, which was actually neat. So Justin just moved down to the area from Minnesota. So he, he'd never seen a copperhead. You know, his neighborhood group posts pictures of him on their street and stuff all the time. Um, but he had not seen one sort of in person yet. And so we just happened to be walking and we got like 50 yards into this one trail and this one was just curled up. Nice. Right at our feet. Like Taylor was up. Like it was kind really? of which I thought was really cool because I've never found a copperhead like that. Was like, it that tail tail was green? Just, no, that's what was funny. It was like, that... it was just sticking up. It was like, it was testing the wind like a golf player. And it was just sitting there and I just happened to look down at the right time to see it because we would have walked right past it. You know, had I not, um, so that was really cool that he got to he got to see that and then seeing the racer. Uh, he also hadn't seen one of those yet, which was surprising because they're everywhere here. So it was cool. Gives you a good appreciation for that stuff because you got friends that have always wanted to see stuff like that, but they you know because of where they live, they don't have them there or whatever. And then seeing a bunch of gators, a bunch of small gators, was really cool too. Did we lose Phil or did we lose me? Help. Phil is froze. Okay. Good night, Phil. Good night, Moon. Let's see if he messaged me. He didn't. Yeah, it was a good looking copyright. It was um much more yellow and not nearly as like pink as we, as I've seen them, you know, around here. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Cause I usually don't, 
the ones I see are typically not that, not that color. So that's cool. That's always cool when you see something slightly aberrant or slightly different. Um, and I, I try to. I, I'm not a big Facebook user anymore, but I try to be at least poke my head into some of the uh, Eastern Coral Snake groups on Facebook because they always share the craziest, most aberrant Eastern corals you've ever seen. All black with yellow speckles or, you know, abandoned with no red. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Absolutely wild. But you and I have still never found one. I haven't seen a live one in Many years. Are you wearing a coral snake patterned hat? Maybe. I just noticed that. What is it? What are you wearing? What is that? I mean, I guess now it can be sort of an announcement type of thing. All right. What do you? First of all, what are you smoking? What am I smoking? I haven't. I haven't lit it up yet, just because we've been chatting away. But um, I got Florida Las Antillas in a Toro. Oh which I haven't had one of these in a while. And I like these because it's not quite a box press, especially it's, in the yeah, Toro size. Yeah. 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 Um, but they always cut great. They always feel great. They smell great. And I just, I always forget. That know? was my go-to for a long time. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, you've, always, you've been smoking my father's forever. You know? That's what I recommended. You know, anybody looking for like a good medium, like a perfect like pin, pin, quintessential medium smoke. That's not super heavy. It's not super light. It's like yeah. just perfect. Like that's that's what I go with. It's the Goldilocks of Toros, and it got Cigar of the Year back in like twenty fourteen, I think. Not that that really matters. It just means my father paid for more ad space in Cigar Aficionado, <laughs> but <clears throat> still, you can they can look it up and get better notes than from us. So. Yeah. 30 minutes in, we finally get to the good stuff throat cancer. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Jeez, boy. <laughs> Thank you for the vote of confidence. I'm smoking a Perdomo 20th anniversary Maduro. Look at you with the black and red. Awesome. This is a, as far as Maduro's, man, like, I don't know that it gets much richer than, than these things. You know, maybe your Liga's. Like your number nines, but like in terms of just sort of an everyday kind of smoke, like yeah, these things are just so good. And they've got yeah. a like a six by forty eight, like a six and a half by forty eight, which is like a Corona. Yeah, and that's that's like the size. This is a I think a Toro, um, maybe a little bigger than that. I don't I don't know, but it's it's freaking good. So and I highly I recommend them. Love how rich and oily they are. They they remind me of those old Onyx. Mm-hmm. Just that rich, rich black leaf. Love it. My uncle yesterday gave me a uh, Davidoff um, the last hour, I think. Yeah. Was was the band white? No, it was the black one. It last hour. It was a late joke because they're all white bands. <laughs> and it was, uh, that's really good. Like, I'm not a, Davidoff doesn't. For the price has never really done much for me, but man, that's right. like the second time I've had that particular Davidoff, and it was really good. Very good smoke. It's probably like $25, but it's good. All right. So now that I'm chomping at the bit, let's let's hear about this hat with this. 
I, it just it just occurred to me. I was like, we're talking about coral snakes, and and I was like, black on yellow on red. What what do you got there, Smitty? Fulvius. Look at that. I'm assuming that's a Justin Smith exclusive. Uh, not currently. It is. And is that black multicam? It is. Oh, look at you, an aristocrat. You know. Pinky's out. So I've I've kind of decided with all the like shirt design ideas and stuff that I've had and like some other stuff ideas that I've had, you know, like like this right. um that I think I'm gonna sort of start an apparel sort of brand. Uh but something that is not the like retic bro affliction tap out wannabe kind of thing. I like I was it. Like, I want something that's a little, I say minimal, like minimalist, right. more subtle. Less so is like, more. Kind of, yeah. So like you see this, and I have some other designs that I have in the works. Um, but I've, I wanted a Fulvius hat, but I wanted it to just have like three bars of each color. And then I was like playing around with some design stuff. And I, I settled upon this like rhombus trapezoid thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was like one of those things where it's like if you see that you don't initially like think anything snake related or herp related. Sure. You know, people probably think it's something German. Um probably. But like people that do know are gonna see that and be like, I get it. So I'm I'm in the process, like um make some thongs, I'll model them. Oh god. No, thank you, Keller. Hard oh, Keller with a whale back. A whale tail? Yeah. God, get that out of my head. You know you love it. So if like this this Ryan Kofis, this rhino shirt, you know. Mm -hmm. I have like I have ideas for stuff and I'm I'm in the process of sort of getting some together and right now I'm kinda I can do beanies. I can do beanies and there will be beanies when it's beanie season. So now are you gonna name this apparel company fulvius i thought about it okay i, I I'm, I'm gonna go with ectasis apparel okay just because i feel like that's kind of a little more fitting i did think about fulvius but wait what did you call it Ec ecstasis ecstasis so like the the scientific term for like shedding oh okay i get it i get it so I don't know. I haven't. I'm not like fully sold on it yet. Because Katie was like, "You should name it like something related to the network." And I'm like, "I use the word herpetoculture to death in yeah, everything." It's true. It get to the point where it's I'm getting exhausted with it. I'm sure everyone else is too. Um. So. Yeah. It's it's uh. Stuff that's more catered to the to the to the I guess the nerdier side of things, you know, it's gonna have a lot of nomenclature related stuff and love it. Um, you know, I've got some other ideas for kind of like I guess goofier stuff. Like I was working on one today with like a one of the it was like a Titus species, I think Obscurus or something. So working on a shirt and I was gonna have it say like show me them Titus and like stupid stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I just, yeah. I've got ideas for things and and yeah, so I'm working on it. It's it's going to be a slow sort of start. I'm kind of working out some 
some logistical things. I need to talk to my boss at work as far as setting that up. And if I can piggyback a, like a Shopify store off of our store on the website and, you know, so I'm working some things out and I got some other designs I need to get sort of done. Um, I am in the process of working on an alternate hat in a similar design to this, not the same shape, you know, a little, little different. Um, so it's, uh, I think it'll be good. I mean, I like everyone has kind of the same complaints when it comes to the apparel stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to try and avoid black shirts and things like that. I mean, I will offer them to the people that want them, but I'm going to kind of keep it more uh, like earth tones, neutral. I don't know exactly how to how to describe it. So, yeah, earth um, tones is good. I like that. I don't like I'm a huge fan of military green and black. I know a lot of people don't because it it kind of blends together too much, but I really like that combination a lot. But you know they say FDE is the new black. That's right. Yep. So that's cool, man. I'm I'm glad to I'm glad that you uh had that epiphany and that hat looks badass, especially with the little fulvius on it. Mm-hmm. Still waiting for my wrinkle shirt. Just yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that because I, I worked on the art some and I like I'm having a hell of time with the pictures. I gotta find something that's sort of a higher resolution. Yeah. The problem is the freaking things just don't pose. They just yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I still want a stiletto shirt that says knife fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the list. Yeah, black is cool until you're in the field in summer. Yeah, exactly. Which is and crazy. I, love, I love black. Like I wear the hell out of black, but I know right now it seems like a lot of people are starting to kind of move away from the black her apparel stuff just because it's it's getting it's, it's played been, out. It's been the the primary color for a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, our kind of people. Front. Yeah, yeah. And what's wild is nipper almost exclusively herps in a black shirt and or black shorts or pants. And I was like, nipper's a freak of nature. I know. And when I asked him about it, he started to quiz me on, you know, uh, Saharan nomadic tribes. I was like, yes, uh, Toreg wear all black. I get it. Right. But it's also that their bodies are British and you're white. They're they're conditioned for that, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll go over well. I think it's something that has kind of been a long time coming in terms of herp stuff, you know, yeah. as far as apparel and stuff, because you see just a ton of things that I, I see them and I'm like, I'm not going to wear that. That's that's way too, too retic bro for me, you know. You're muted. I don't. Did you hear anything I just said before? Nope. Oh, damn it. How did that even happen? I don't know. Anyway, I was going to say is, yeah, in the group chat, they were saying that there's a lot of cringy shirts out there and we don't buy them, you know? Well, some of it's going to be pretty niche, too, because I have like that Agurnia Gang shirt. Yeah, that's awesome. It's going to be like all of five people that wear that. I think I sent one to to Tortuga Fontana and Jeremy Thompson Mm -hmm. because I know they like Agurnia. And so like when when Tyler ordered some shirts, I snuck two in there because I was like, I know you guys will appreciate these. And uh, just having access to to pretty much anything in terms of shirt wise, like qualities and different 
you know, sizes and everything, colors and whatnot. You know, it's, I think it's good. So, yeah. I'm into it. I'm going to kind of take my time as far as getting everything set up and getting everything figured out, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. Yeah, man. And I, to be honest, I really like the name Fulvius. I think that's awesome. I, yeah. It, it's, I was very tempted, but like the Latin word for that means like, reddish color i have to look it up again it's not like so kinda, i don't know i don't know who cares nobody speaks latin anyway the people that are going to know what it is they're going to be harpers because they're going to see the black yellow red you know yeah yeah i'd say i'd say call it gutata but you'd have too many king snake flashbacks Ugh. i couldn't i wouldn't be able to sleep from all the nightmares. Yeah, we'll just call it Getula. But I've got a handful of, of designs and, and ideas as far as like this kind of stuff goes. Um, as far as like species that I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on. I need to get Photoshop back on my computer so I can work on it when I'm at home. I mean I work on them at work periodically, you know, at the end of the day or when I get there a little early, I'll I'll work on some stuff, but um definitely need to get Photoshop set up so I can work on it. In my free time. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Get them creative juices flowing. It happens all the time, man. Like, I'm always like, I'll just start working on stuff just for the hell of it. Because I just feel like, got to get the, the creative bug out of my out of my system. Yeah. And I'm actually, uh, I've been talking to Katie and I talked to my boss today actually about going back to school for graphic design stuff and getting like Adobe certified and, and cool. some other things. Because... I think it'll do me good. It'll do the business good. And I, I need to get better, especially like Illustrator and programs like that, that I know kind of the absolute bare minimum of like Photoshop. I'm, it's I'm more well-versed in that now, but Illustrator we use a lot. And there's a lot of things in Illustrator that I, I need to know how to do. And I don't. So fair enough. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be cool, man. It'll be a good ride. I like it. But if anybody wants to follow, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram now. It's Ectasis Apparel. It's E-C-D-Y-S-I-S. And just so you people know, I'm his co-host, and I had no idea who was doing this. So this is you're hearing it first, children. It's because it's something I've I've literally decided to do within the last week, and I'm kind of been on the fence as far as like, should I even bother announcing it? Because it may be one of those things where I'm like super excited about it for a month, and then after a while, I'm like, eh. But if I if I tell more people about it, kind of holds me to it a little better. So, all right, what's the Instagram handle? Ectasis E C D Y S I S Apparel A P P A R E L. There it is. I got it. Mm. Look at that. Man, 10 followers and I didn't know about it. I'm very disappointed in you, Smitty. I know. I'm sorry. Look, that Fulvius hat's right there. Look at that. I was, I mean, I don't know. Like, oddly enough, I've been kind of self conscious about the whole thing because it's like, I don't, are these lame? You know, is anybody even going to want to wear any of this stuff? Am I wasting my time? No, I think you gotta, you, you've got made a lot of really cool designs and a lot of cool uh, shirt-style designs. 
you got to keep that that style, man. Like that Pitiofa shirt, that orange Pitiofa shirt. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like that's what I want the wrinkle shirt like that. I think it's awesome. It's a great color with the black, and it's a great picture of the pit. I think it's awesome. The Gurnia Gang shirt is hilariously awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's just it's finding decent pictures, especially like rinks. Um, yeah, because I, you know, I obviously don't want to steal people's pictures to transform into into that kind of stuff. You know, I want it to be hundred percent legitimate. And um, if there's people that end up having photos that they're like, yeah, you can use it, like perfect. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not into blatantly, you know, ripping off images. So no, I, I understand that. I do. I'll keep trying to get photos. Yeah, I played around with the ones, and I probably need to revisit them. But um, there was even one that I took that I took a P and Cody's, one of their rinks, and I think I tried to play with that some, and it was just, I don't know, it was harder to uh, to manipulate. But yeah. Mm. So what do you got in the woodworks? As far as what? In for, as far as like shirts and hats, like you got any teasers you can give us? Um, I mean, not, not really yet. I mean, we have the designs that we've already made, like the Pituovis and the Morelia shirt, and um, Chaffin's got a great one, Dirt Snake Mafia. I'm in, baby. I could, I could make that happen. And I told, actually, I told Jake that he should do this when he was all pop one crazy, and. uh this is before he had the whole long leaf thing. And I, I think you should still do this. It'd be it'd probably be a difficult shirt to orchestrate, but um just a shirt that says like Papua or like PNG and it has a silhouette of the island, right? The the main island. Mm-hmm. And then coming out of that island silhouette, you have a Papuan carpet, you have a Papuan Python, you have a Papuan black snake, um, and just just like key snakes of the like island old school like tell exactly <laughs> exactly like s- snakes of the southeast and it's got you know it's got the diamondback and the indigo and the corn and the pine and exactly the same thing but you just do it monocolor like a black mm-hmm. shirt with with white at white cult white etching or outline or whatever i thought that'd be really yeah cool. i mean i mean i can do full color stuff like that that's that's a matter that's what boils down to like getting better at photoshop and making it to where it looks good you know it doesn't look like some some amateur hour you know bullshit but yeah and there was there was i have i have ideas i have a ton of ideas in my head that i have not written down yet that i've been sort of trying to make sure i'm not forgetting but yeah there was a, a, a an apparel company down by me that was firearms related and they did all like the gun show circuits and stuff and for those who are not into shooting rifles and collecting rifles and military and stuff, there's always this big like clash, like kind of like there's like Ford and Chevy people. Well, there's like AK people and AR people, right? Right. Two, two different types of rifles for those who are unaware. And team AK. Yeah. Team AK. So they had, it was AK is greater than symbol AR or AR is greater than symbol AK. And most people, it just went right over their head. They're like, Arkansas's up better yeah. than Alaska, you know? And uh, I thought that you could do the same thing, but do like 
we saw in, in West Texas, like Baird's beats Alterna, or like Baird's is greater than Alterna, or vice versa, you know? I thought that could be really fun. It'd be a simple See, the shirt. The best part is I could find that picture of that, pull that text that was written so that yes. it looks exactly like the pen mark yeah, that was exactly. written on that. Like, I can do that. That's easy. That like, You need to do that. You need to do that. I need that shirt. But there we will never be an alternative greater than Baird's. It's not going to happen. That, that, well, you're the it's one who makes my, them. So it's my religion. That's fine. I want the one that would, I want that exact Sharpie marker on the side of the food truck. I love it. I will do that tomorrow. That'd be easy. I also looked like a five-year-old did it because it was my handwriting. <laughs> Wait, you wrote that? No, no, I didn't. I wrote next to oh, it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I wrote, no. I wrote the amen part now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. 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 That was so crazy, man. We it go to this like food. We go to this food truck in in the where was it? You know, what town was that? That was Alpine. Was it Alpine? Yep, that was the trilobite boy. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was Alpine. And just we walk up to this food truck with all this graffiti on it. And right at the window where you pay in little writing from a Sharpie marker, it said, was it Baird Eye greater than Alterna? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I have to have that picture. I don't even know if it was. Uh, I don't know that you could even really call it a food truck because I don't think that thing had moved in decades. Oh, I believe it. You know, it was pretty much a, a restaurant in the shape of a truck, you know. That operated out of it, but yeah, there was like sharpies all over the thing, and you just walked up and you could write whatever you wanted on it. And if there's anybody that listens to this that wrote that Baird Eye is greater than Alterna on the trilobite truck, please message me for sure because they deserve it. They deserve a free T-shirt. They do. They a thousand percent deserve a free T-shirt. I know I have that picture. Hold on. I think I just passed it. It's on the uh it's the the banner for the Bears Underground group. Oh man, where is it? Yeah, and then somebody posted a picture of a baby Bears slithering across that graffiti. That was that was Chris cuz I have oh, that Bears. He sent me that rat snake. Oh, that's awesome. And he got a picture of it in front of that like a month after we had after we had gone. Right. Because I have it right here, I'll, I'll save it. Yeah, it. Pull, pull it up because I'm not finding it right now. I'm gonna spend ten hours looking for this photo. Yeah, it was. It's, that's wild, man. Then you have that snake. That's so awesome. So awesome. I do. I do. Yeah, I don't have that picture. You, you have it pulling it up right now awesome i'm trying to you can do it face there you go coming at you yeah and you just think about how like hardcore some people are about certain species and stuff that's you know they don't like bears don't get enough love to for people to think it warrants a shirt, but I think there's enough people that are into beards that would, you know. And the 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 nice thing about it too is is I can you know I can make them a shirt at a time. If even if it's one like beards where there's only a handful of people that really want it, like I'm not committed to fifty of them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Instagram companies in my industry that do 
exclusive drops and most of them are based in the west coast or maybe they just go off of west coast time so that it's fair for everyone mm-hmm. but they'll 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 tell you like a month in advance new t-shirt drop new baseball hat drop may 12th 12 p.m pacific and there's only 100 spots and that's it and then everyone goes crazy trying to scramble and get it. there it is look at that look at that yeah, you got to use that exact that exact font. I can pull that. Like I can take that. Yeah. Get rid of everything around it and pull that text. Yeah, that's awesome. And make that a shirt. Even the amen part that I wrote. Yeah. You should do that. You should do the the bear die greater than alterna shirt and then do like a limited edition like two or three shirts that have the amen on it. And then auction them off at our route for a raffle or for yeah, you know, Daytona yeah. or something. Yeah. That's super cool. But yeah, I was just thinking that those, these guys in the, in the uh, firearms, like Instagram community, they have these exclusive shirts and it's like, it's usually stuff that's funny, you know, some dude driving a truck or some silly meme or something, but people go crazy for these exclusive shirts or these exclusive patches and some of them are even pre-order like you're not even you're even buying it you're you're getting a lottery to to be able to buy it right well look at you know that that brand supreme yeah the only like the reason that that's as like popular as it is and as as crazy as it's gotten is because they have a very limited amount of the things they make and once they're made like they don't come back yeah and so it's created this this cult like um, sort of following where like people are collecting these things because it, it literally has turned itself into a collectible, and that's not really like the route I'm wanting to go. But yeah, but it's, um, it's still it, it'd be fun to do limited stuff like that. Let me see. Go away, bubble. Facebook pages are getting out of hand. It's hard to. Like, this is just dumb. I just want to, like... <sighs> yeah, in correction, it was it was Matt from Herb Talk Radio said Dirt Snake Mafia, and... Or was it Matt? Oh, no. There's so many people. Project Reptilia, Dirt Snake Mafia. We got to do it. I need that on a shirt. It's got to happen. I can facilitate. Yeah, that's epic. And I'm hoping to sort of because I'm I'm in a position to where I can I can make things a little cheaper, like that I can make cool shirts that don't cost an arm and a leg. Right. Because I love shirts, especially like band shirts and stuff. And I understand yeah. you're supporting the band, but it's like when they start asking for like thirty dollars for like a just a regular Gildan like five thousand, yeah, just like the baseline cotton shirt. That's like it's really it's really painful and hard to do. You know, it's like fuck, dude. Of course, of course. You know, I I started um, buying some cool T-shirts off Instagram and. Uh, I'm obviously a bigger guy, right? And I've always been either a... I was, for, since high school, I was a 2X, right? Or not a 2X, excuse me, an extra large. And then I hit 30, and now I'm, I'm a 2X. 
and I'm finding myself buying 3X now, not because I got that much fatter, but because of the material. It mm-hmm. not only does it shrink like a son of a gun, but it's all this like slim fit, like tapered yeah. Yeah. baby doll bullshit. Pardon my French. And I got to buy a 3X shirt so it looks normal on me. And I think that's crazy. And everyone's going to this like a thousand percent polyester. And I don't know, man, it's hard for me to spend $30 on a t-shirt. Yeah. That you know, isn't going to really fit. Yeah, exactly. After washing it three times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's another thing that I, I want to, you know, having more control over and knowing what brands are worse about that than others. Um, you know, like next levels are a really popular shirt. Um, I hate them okay. because a they run really small. Like they they model and they they design those shirts on like the smallest people they could find. Mm-hmm. So like normally I would wear like a a two or three X depending. Um, with next levels, I usually bump up to a four just because by the time I've washed it a couple times, it fits the way it should. Right, right. Um, so I'm avoiding next levels pretty much at all costs, unless I somehow end up getting them for super cheap. Um, <clears throat> but like I have that same issue, you know, and so I'm my plan is to circumvent that as best as I can, so that people are getting something they can wear multiple times and not, you know, spend a ton of money on it, and then it just be unwearable. Because I have yeah. so many shirts in my closet that I, I can't wear anymore. Like they just, yeah. I wore them like twice and then they just ended up shrinking and or I got fatter. You know, that's entirely possible too. Right. right. Uh, and it's super frustrating because like there's shirts that I love and I wish I could wear them, but they just, I look like an idiot. You know, it looks like yeah. a wetsuit. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough. And like my, my coworkers give me shit at work because we have a, a company logo gilden cotton t-shirts that we have in the shop and you know we'll give them to customers from time to time or if somebody wants to buy one we just like charge them cost i don't even know what cost was but i have gilden work shirts that are cotton that are like almost 10 years old and i i i only wash my clothes in cold water right and i'll usually just do medium heat or normal heat for dryer and I always wash my shirts inside out because I don't want the graphic yep. t-shirts to get yep. messed up. So like I'm doing everything right. And yes, I've gained some weight, but like the running joke in my work is, oh, you're dry- dryer acting up again, dryer acting up again, you know, <laughs> I feel getting fatter. But no, man, these new materials, you literally wash it once and it shrinks one size. And it's mostly, yeah, it's mostly the higher cotton blends. Like polyester yeah. really doesn't shrink that much. Um but that's also why like your district tri blends and perfect blends and stuff are more expensive because it is a higher quality shirt and it's not likely to do that more. Um, but if you have certain brands like next level that just run smaller, like the women's sizes in the next level are laughable because they're almost youth sizes. Really? Like it's absolutely insane. And so when people are like, I want next level, I'm like at the point now where we have some still at work, I want them gone because I don't even recommend them to people. But if someone wants them specifically, yeah. Uh, then I'll order them, but uh, like Guild and Soft Styles are cheaper, just as nice. Uh, they're a little heavier, but not by much. And then they, um, they're much more true to size. So yeah. I've been, I've been really big on those for yeah, a while man. now. So, and it's crazy. Like I, you don't think about that. Or, let me rephrase that. I never used to think about that 
but now I have to because of the way that they change everything. Yeah. So, and yeah, there's the no, there's no real, better, but there's no real, um, like standard, you know? Yeah. There's no uniformity. It sucks is every company's going to be a little different. Um, right. And even right. with some of like the Gildan, like lower end 2000, 5000 line stuff, even some of those, like we'll get the pockets. Some people want pocketed shirts, which I semi loathe. Because uh, printing it on those is kind of getting the dimensions and like placement exactly right is kind of a pain in the ass. But um, we'll get some where the pockets aren't even sewn on straight. Like the pockets are crude. really. It's like I mean, yeah, you get what you pay for, but right, right. It's so frustrating when you get a box and you get an order and you open it and there's like two shirts out of twelve that are actually the pockets are straight and don't look crooked and yeah, because if the pockets crooked and you print on it, then it's going to look crooked regardless. Like it's going to look off. Um, and there was a few actually when when Tyler and the Connexus Working Group guys placed an order, they got some pocketed long sleeve shirts. Uh, and I, I had have to one. reorder. I had to reorder a few um, because the pocket was was crooked, and it was enough to where if you saw it, you'd be like, "That's something's off." Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Quality control isn't great on on some of these brands, but. Well, I have that shirt, and it fits like a glove. Love it. Yeah, he sent me one. I'm like, dude. He's like, you want one? I was like, I don't really wear long sleeve shirts. I can make my own, man. Like, I can, like, he sent me one anyways. I got one in the mail like two weeks later. I was like, <laughs> nice, nice. Jackass. It's the thought that counts, man. It is. It is. And uh, honestly, I love long sleeve shirts. I just, I push them up and make them into baseball shirts. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's on Facebook, this is the, the page. That one like and one follower is me. Um, just if you're if you're on the lookout it exists there's nothing on there yet but check it cool out cool beans so i like it i like it crooked pocket is not a good look sometimes we'll get some that even have like holes in them like little really i don't know if it was like something ate a hole in it or if like they were playing with bb guns at the factory and like i Tiny holes. Yeah. So whatever. I used to get them in my t-shirts from my keys on my carabiner because I have keys that I click onto my belt loop at work, mm -hmm. and uh, and they always make those little those little tiny tears. It's almost like uh, it pulled one fiber and it just opened enough to make like a tiny little hole. Um, but now I'll keep my eyes peeled for those. Normally, when we notice them, we don't. We just reorder that particular size and that shirt and that order or something you know we can use like we could message the company we buy shirts through and be like hey we have this one with the hole and they'll just tell us to keep it and send us a new one but i'm like they're not that expensive i'll just order another one and yeah we need scrap shirts all the time for stuff you know there's a whole whole process there as far as like first runs of the day through the digital printers having to sort of get the the gunked up ink that sat there overnight out of the heads and stuff and it prints discolored so if we just run a test shirt or like a scrap shirt through that to get that out before we start really printing you know it saves a saves a shirt on the customer's end and our end so that's cool circle of life that's awesome <clears throat> but if anybody has any particular species that they would like to see something done in let me know because i have sort of a list on my phone going of stuff i do want to work on 
um, in terms of designs kind of similar to this. Um, so fully open to ideas and suggestions. Um, I need to write down actually the, uh, the Dirt Snake Mafia one because I can do that. Taipan shirt, cat gecko merch. I can facilitate. Red throated Eastern Indigo DRMBs. How did I know someone was going to say DRMB? Apodora. Apodora would be a tough one. Let's see what else. Eastern Indigo. And I have, there's been a handful of ideas that I've had, and I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And I think it's awesome. And then, like, Katie will look at it. She'll be like, that is the nerdiest shit I've ever seen. She makes fun of my, my Tell Hicks shirts all the time. I actually had a year applied a shirt, uh, like a design that I put together a while back with, like, a pentagram. And it was something about feeling satanic or something. I'll have to look at that. I don't know. I just, I play with ideas. Some of them are great. Some of them are horrible. If people will spend infinite amount of money on Zelda merch, surely... I can get people to buy Ryan Kofis things. I will. I refuse to do any Getula shirts. I have an Atrica Data shirt. I have that that one that I I made. Um, that I, I don't know if I showed it off that one time, but it's it's says I want to believe Atrica Data. So I want to believe, and it's got a a picture of the uh, of an Atrica Data, like a drawing. What? Did you freeze again? I thought you yep. just like left. Well, I got up to real quick to refill my beverage and oh. when I came back, it was a spinning black screen. So nice. But I'm back. Did anyone give uh, any recommendations for trifoil hats? Trifoil hats? Yeah, your little your little trapezoid, whatever. Oh, oh. We got some for like Dominican red mountain boas and some other stuff. So, nice. um, do you, photos never turn out well on shirts. Yeah, there's so like people will send us like screenshots from their phone to get put on shirts, and those do not like the highest resolution possible, the better. Like with printing, I guess really in anything. Um, but we have, I mean, we can like with the digital direct garment printing, like we can we can straight up put pictures on shirts, and they're for what the medium is and the printing, like they're, they're pretty crisp. So yeah, I did, I, I did see Lisa's last white lip photo. So and I was going to say, uh, uh, Scott and Ty have some pretty awesome shirts and I saw uh, Scott and I did a little podcast action last night, um, with, uh, Dr. J and Chucky. And, uh, uh yes, my, 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 my jaw is still a little ah, crooked from that fight. Um, but Scott had on a, a shirt with, with Wellesley on it, 
uh, uh, Pilbara Death Adder. And dude, awesome shirts. Awesome. Yeah, so DTG is kind of the nice, uh, in my opinion, that's kind of the way to go for like pictures on shirts. Like you can get them done via like heat transfer and stuff, and that's fine too. But direct to garment's nice because it's like there's no, uh, you don't have to print out the transfer itself. You don't have to deal with like the powder that they have to put on the shirts in order to get it to transfer. Um, it just prints straight onto the shirt. It's like a giant computer printer. Um, with a print head that just scans back and forth and prints the, you know, lays down a layer of white first and then lays down the color itself. And it's pretty cool. And ours are actually in the grand scheme of like the technology of that. Ours are older. Um, like our, our printers are like four or five years behind the curve. So they've actually gotten a lot better. Um, wow. They're just so freaking expensive that we're kind of yeah. trying to get everything we can out of these before we have to, you know, upgrade and update. So. And they do hold up well. I mean, like people ask us at work, you know, is DTG better than screen printing? And it, it really depends on what you're, what you're using them for. So if it's guys that are like landscaping and they're like really putting their, their shirts and stuff through the ringer, um, then screen print is kind of better long-term because that's going to hold up better. It's a thicker plastisol ink. Um, and we have the ability to print on pretty much anything as far as material goes. With DTG, it has to be cotton or natural fibers. Otherwise, the ink, for whatever reason, just does not stick to polyesters or, or blends. Um, like, it'll print on it, but as soon as you wash it, it kind of disappears. So there is some caveats to DTG. There are some downsides, um, but in terms of detail and what you can put on, what you can be printed, DTG is kind of the way to go for for colors and intricacy and things like that what the hell are you drinking iced tea why does it look gross i don't know it's just iced tea hmm. i don't know why it looks gross <laughs> damn it this thing keeps going out yeah mine was mine was kind of slow to the kick I think one of the Carolinianus is uh is is gravid. Oh really? It's awfully awfully fat. And I don't think it's got a molt coming. So did it eat one of its cage mates? No. Everyone's still accounted for. Nice. That's awesome. No issues there. And yes, Patrick, the glass is frosted. Hmm. Uh the when was it? What's today? Monday? Was it yesterday? It was. So I was in my room the other day uh, feeding some stuff, I, I think, cleaning something. And I happened to see the Jansen I female coming out of the egg box. Nice. And that girl has at least three eggs in her. Hell yeah, brother. And she's been in and out of that egg box off and on all day. And she shed within the last two weeks. Okay. And that, I'm fairly positive that was a prelay. So, 
I've been watching. I got my camera back on and stuff, and I've got it pointed right at that cage, and I've been watching her like a freaking hawk because the uh, the last time, like, I didn't really know she was gravid. I didn't see her that much, so, you know, I didn't know that she had eggs, and then I checked the egg box one day just because I was like, you know, I haven't looked in there in a while. I should probably look. Um, And I had, you know, there was three eggs in there that ended up being duds, but um, this time, like, I can tell she's gravid. At first, this, like... Late earlier in the week, she was going in the egg box, and it kind of looked like maybe she was grabbing, and all. I couldn't really tell. And so I messaged uh, Daniel Schwint at Daniel Snakes, who has right. produced Jance and I, um, I think at least twice now. Um, and I was like, you know, when you're when your Jance and I was gravid, was it was it super obvious like it is with with corns and other rat snakes, where you can clearly tell like that last third, like they're just they're stupid swollen, you know? Yeah. Or because I was wondering since. Ganyasoma lay like longer eggs that aren't nearly as like round. Um, if it was a little harder to, to notice, and he said no, it was pretty, it was pretty obvious. And so, you know, I've been kind of waiting for her to come out so I could sort of see without having to take her out and palpate her and stuff because that's sure, just, sure. I didn't want to, I don't want to screw anything up. Yeah. Um, and so she was going into the egg box, and I was like, you know, it kind of looks like she might be. And then it was like two days later that I saw her like stretched out going into a hide from the egg box, and I could see at least three clear little clear dips. lumps yeah, yeah. um and they, so. they have very oblong eggs almost like oryocryptophis not that extreme but yeah okay yeah All right. um so i'm expecting her to lay like within i was she was in the lay box last night and i was expecting to wake up to find eggs in there this morning um what i do because i have that camera going is i'll go and i'll do I'll check the playback. So like I'll wake up in the morning, look to see if she was in there all night, if she'd come out and gone back in, like basically any signs that maybe she had been in there for a prolonged period of time and then left and hadn't gone back. So that would tell yeah. me that she, she had laid. So I've been checking and I, I went and checked before we started and pulled the, the box and she was inside it still. So I, you know, I kind of put everything, I took the lid off and I, I kind of rifled through it a little bit. I could kind of tell she was in there because of how heavy it was. Cause she's, she's not really a small snake, but, um, she was still in there, and so I, I put it back and put it back in the cage. And yeah, you know, I may play it back before I go to bed to see if anything's happening there. So, well, does yours do uh notifications for motion? It, I think it does, but I turn it off because there's so much stuff moving in there at night, they would just be sending my phone into a you know, a freaking well, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you don't have to actually receive the notifications, but I was just thinking that. If you're looking for her in there for a prolonged period of time, it may behoove you to put on the motion and at least get in like know when to fast forward, like where to fast forward to. You know what I mean? Oh, in that regard, it doesn't. So like our our house, like our ring doorbell system does that, where it shows me a little dot on the timeline of where like movement right. was detected. But this, you know, I'll just scan through it. And okay. We're only talking, you know, a couple hours at a time, so it's not that hard to kind of go through and see. She's not in and out of it a lot, but she's in and out of it regularly. You know, she's not constantly ping-ponging between the hide and that, so. That's good, man. Is the male going in there at all or no? Or is she by herself? No, she's, they're both in there, but the male's okay. been leaving her be. Okay. I need to get some food in them. Male was looking a little, little wimpy. A little lean? Mm-hmm. He's Looks been, good, the, but he's also been at least the last couple weeks. Um, you know, offering him food, he's been 
he's been pretty hit or miss in terms of any interest in that. So it's not a bad thing. Uh, Lisa asked, have we seen the black ones that have been coming in lately? Is that a locality or is it just natural variation found throughout their range? Uh, so the all black ones, there is as of recently, and we have the U.S. Ganyasoma Alliance Facebook group, um, which is for like U.S. people only. If anybody's interested and they want to join, check it out. You can find it on on Facebook there. Um, and that actually came up because we were talking about it. Uh, and I think Daniel messaged Dan Maleri and asked him, and we always thought that the all black Jansen I came from the uh, island of Selayar. And Maleri told Daniel that it's more likely they're coming from Jampeo, which is slightly south of Selayar. Um, and then there's a question of if they are those in particular are actually Jansenai or if they're just like an all-black variation of, of Oxy's Kephalum. So some of the, like the head structure and stuff of the all-black looks, looks more Oxy-ish than it does Jansenai. Like there is slight difference in the, in the head structure of the two species. So I don't, I don't know. Like the all-black Jansenai do exist. Um, whether or not that's what we're seeing in Jampei or not, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. But they're awesome. And they are they are consistently captive breeding the all black ones over there, and that's that's how we're getting some of the ones here, right? No, I think they're entirely being caught and imported. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They may be over there. I'm honestly not sure. That's you know that's there's a lot of stuff that happens over there that that I I have so many questions for for Dan Maleri in that regard. Um. Because you think about how much stuff comes from over there and how we all just kind of have this sort of impression of how it all works and like what we're seeing is actually what we're seeing. Um, you know, it's like what's what's actually going on. We don't have anybody other than Dan really over there that, that can sort of fill us in and give us um, solid information that's trustworthy. You know, it's nothing against the the people over there that are exporting and stuff, but I feel like there's also probably some trade secrets going on that that we don't know about that we're not privy to. <laughs> he definitely doesn't get more defensive because they're they're pretty much defensive all the time, anyways. Oh, I thought you were talking about the chance tonight. Yeah, the female never refuses a meal. The male, every now and then, he will, but. As of lately, it's been more of a thing. So. But if these end up happening, you know, these eggs, I have a better leg up this round because I'm I'm aware that she's gravid and I know sort of when to, to look out uh, for the eggs. Um and be better prepared. So I do too. I mean, that's, it's kind of like condros, you know, eggs are kind of getting eggs is sort of the easy part. It's getting them to go the distance and hatch. Um, Jance and I, and, and oxycephalum eggs in particular are, are pretty notorious for being kind of, kind of tough to hatch. They have a really long incubation time. Um, I think like over a hundred days isn't uncommon. And then, 
sort of like with the cyania when I when I add those, the uh, the eggshells are so thick. Um, I'm thinking that I probably will end up keeping them a little bit on the drier side because um, I have the sneak suspicion that with a lot of those Southeast Asian species, you know, Boiga and, and Ganyasoma and stuff like that, like because they come from such a more humid environment that those eggshells are so much thicker to be a little bit more of a buffer for humidity and, and exposure and things like that. And so uh, that's going to be interesting. And it's, I, you know, if I'm fully prepared for this to also be a case where it's like I get eggs, like I'm one step closer to, to the, the finish line. Um, you know, last year I got the eggs, the eggs weren't good. So that was like, okay, you know, they are breeding, they are making stuff happen. Um, they are reproductive. So, you know, when those went bad, I was like, yes, next year we'll find out. Well, you know, here we are. So now it's a question of getting the eggs. Hopefully these are good and I don't have any issues. Uh, now it's like the next sort of major trial is, is incubation and getting that figured out. Um, and I'm, my plan right now is my game plan is to incubate those pretty much exactly the same way I did the cyania. So they're going to be off the, off the substrate uh, via some light diffuser. I have uh, sort of a clump of spag pushed to one end that's dampened. Um, and then the APS that they're sitting on, that aquatic plant soil that I like so much, that is also going to be wet, but not saturated. Uh, and I found that having that that thing of spag seemed to help sort of keep humidity sort of cycled in there, if that makes sense. Like it almost acted as like a reservoir so that as that, that APS dried out, um, it sort of helps stabilize things a little bit, uh, cooler incubation temperature. So I did the cyania at 82 degrees during the day with a drop to 78 at night. Um, and that's pretty much how I've done like corn eggs and bared eggs for the last two ish years. Uh, so my plan is to do that as well. Daniel, when he hatched his out, he said he kept his just on the top shelf in his snake room and they stayed in the upper seventies, lower eighties, I believe. So I think the, the 82 with the 78 drop will be good. Um, you know, time will tell. I'm going to try and document this stuff as best as I can. Um, Cause there's so little information about breeding Jance and I, uh, especially like oxys they've, they've, you know, those seem to be a little more straightforward. Um, it's the, you know, the eggs with that whole genus, like true Ganyasoma is kind of where the, where things get tough. So we'll see. <clears throat> My mouth really has back really busy lately and see. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Dan Dan could fill us in on a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, as far as how the whole import export thing works and like where these animals are actually coming from. Cause you have the stuff that's definitely plucked from the wild and brought over, and then you have the stuff that's bred in these facilities, um, you know, farmed, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, and and sent over and like there is a difference, you know, whether the quality of the animal is, is really that much different given the conditions that some of those are, you know, maybe kept in. I, from what I've seen from this facility that Dan has posted videos of on his YouTube channel, everything like it looks really nice. Like whatever they're doing over there definitely looks looks about as close to fully captive bred animals, you know, as far as what we do and what we see. Uh, as so it, does, gets. it doesn't look like those Monaco Cobra farms in Indo where they no. have like the wooden screen and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
and even some of like the you see the pic like the old pictures of of the chondro facilities where they they'd get females and they'd either be gravid or they'd you know they'd be pairing stuff up and getting eggs and then releasing the females or even just holding on to them you know even those facilities weren't weren't horrible um but in terms of like the tiger rats you know uh not tiger rats the king rats being kept in just giant like concrete pits and you know those so i was talking to chaz because chaz has some of those and he was talking about how over there they have you know they're big for meat like that's a big meat market species is king rats and uh they just have like pits with like a mattress in it that you just lift it up and there's like king rats all over the place and wow just that's kind of where they come from and so i think the ones that are exported for the pet trade are, are literal byproduct from from the like the the meat and i'd assume skin trade but i don't know still interesting very very interesting is there a lot of uh the the black jansen i on iNaturalist? Or any? I think there's like one or two. I've never there's actually not, looked. There's, there's not a ton of. I mean, there's some Jance and I like sightings on INAT. Um, not a ton. They're pretty well spread out. I was looking at those recently, actually. Um, from you know, sort of the top of the range going down, you can you can kind of see where they're where they're at and doing their thing and Phil's really struggling. He going again. They can be. So you get some, it's mostly like a variation of, of the amount of black that they have. And then, uh, whether that, that cream color is more of a white or more of a yellowish tone. I don't know that there's, there's a ton of variation in terms of like, northern versus southern stuff um it seems to be from what i've what i can see and i could be completely wrong that the ones that have more black you know that seems to be like an individual population kind of thing that's not necessarily like a particular region except for the all black stuff which is insular because it's kind of similar to the the silver versus green phase uh green tails I don't I don't know that there's a particular region that the silvers come from. That seems like it's kind of just a, a crapshoot, but again, there's just there's not a ton of information as far as the natural history of these things. Um but it's a it's a group that is imported regularly, sold fairly cheap, uh, and I think a lot of people get them and they just don't have good success with them. You know, they just that's a group that is truly challenging, I think, especially with imports. You know, you get you see the big imported adults and stuff at, at shows and, and whatnot, and you know they're they're really high strung already. So they're you know immunocompromisation is is already a, a pretty big factor when you first get them, and people want to treat them immediately and deworm them immediately. And I think that's that's one of the the worst things you can do. Um, in talking to you know a couple other guys, Nipper included, it was uh. You know, give them some time to chill out, kind of like Boiga. You know, your 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 mangroves and stuff. If you get those wild caught, 
give them some time to hydrate. You know, if you can get small meals in them, great, but definitely don't, don't shove uh, dewormer in them or anything in, you know, right away. Cause that's just going to dig yourself further into, into that hole. We're trying to, man, we got that, that USGA group that's made specifically for like the U S Ganyasoma folks. Cause there's not a ton of us really, really focused on that, that genus. So I made that group with the intention of like being able to get in contact with other people that are trying to like produce Jansen eye and, and oxycephalum and Fernatum and that whole clay, like rhino rats, I think are kind of the exception at this point. You know, there's enough people producing those. We've got those pretty well figured out, but there's not a ton of people doing stuff with uh persinum or corulum, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, Fernatum is still, here and there in terms of availability and, and what has what's what's available. So we'll see. We're trying, man. I'd love to, to be able to see more, more Jansen eye and stuff in, in more people's hands. Um, it's such a cool species. And a lot of the allure for me is just, you know, the mystery behind them. There's, there's not a lot we know about them. Um, and yeah, Lisa, there's some that, that have almost look like they got dipped in tar, like just this really thick, solid black stripe you know and then like a, a cream top or white white sort of top on the along the spine and they look really cool and they're yeah like yeah they're not if you're looking for a species you can play with i mean that whole that genus isn't isn't great like true ganyasoma when i say that genus i mean oxycephalum and jance and i um i don't feel that that rhinos and and persinum and frenatum should be in ganyasoma but they are, yeah, they are much bigger than the other stuff. Um, the so they they don't they get long, but they also they get pretty hefty, but they're also more laterally compressed, so they're they're like flatter vertically, um, and they're just like they're a they're a bigger snake. They're they're kind of a nasty snake as far as personality. Um, from talking to Daniel with his captive. Uh, produced Jance and I, they are considerably more mellow than the wild caught stuff, which I think is to be expected, but I think you're still dealing with an animal that, that definitely gets riled up a lot easier. Um, they are easier to read, which is nice because they, they instantly start puffing up their throat. Uh, you know, they have the really long, slow tongue flick. Uh, so when they're, when they're pissed off, you know, they make it pretty clear. Um, and when they bite, man, they bite hard. I think it sucks. But for the most part, mine just want to get away from me as much as possible. Um, they're fast. They're stupid quick. Uh, but they're great eaters. I mean, these the two that I have were originally imported. Uh, but they were imported as younger animals, which I, I think kind of like chondros is a big thing. If you're going to get ganyos like true ganyos and you definitely if you can get the youngest animals possible i think you're going to be off to a better start than you are with adults just because you have a, a cleaner slate to work with in a sense um you can certainly get adults you know people have done it it's just like i said it's a matter of like really taking your time as far as treatment and not pushing them with with chemicals essentially to to kill off the nasty stuff and the, the hitchhikers but 
I also just completely pretty much leave mine alone. I don't really take mine out unless I'm doing a, you know, a deeper clean on their, their setup. Um, and even then I keep that fairly brief just cause they get, they get so bent out of shape. Um, I give mine, mine have multiple hides. They've got one big cork tube that both of them will hang out in. They've got a really big like ABS, like plastic hide. And then they have another shorter cork round that's sort of on end, almost like a pot that that they will hang out in as well uh there's a lipothos in there i've got a ton of fake ferns to really pack it out like the the big thing is visual barriers and making sure they have plenty of places to hide um that's a that's a big with imports i think especially you get a a, you're gonna have a, a better time getting acclimated when there's very minimal contact and and a lot of visual barriers so like i you're not going to see them a whole lot i don't really see mine a ton usually when i walk into the room they uh they they take off um i'll see them for a split second sometimes they'll just freeze and see if i'm gonna leave or if i'm staying um and then normally when i feed them i'll just i'll dangle you know frozen thawed in front of the hole of that big cork tube and they'll just absolutely rip it from the from the tongs uh, let's see. Scott said, "In praise of subgenre, in this case, Justin, the issue is that gone is thought is gunny sumer currently recognized is still monophyletic with all species included." Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's. I'm usually not one to really argue with the science, but having the persinum and rhinos and the true ganyos, those Jans and I are completely different animals. And it's mostly with rhinos in particular that I kind of have the the issue with um, because the rhinos versus the Jans and I versus the persinum are light years different. I think if you're going to put anything closer to true ganyosoma, I think persinum and frenatum are probably more in line with the true Ganyasoma thing. But even then, when you're talking about such a massive size difference, um, it's hard to, you know, there's a reason pygmies aren't crotalus. You know, I don't, I don't know. That may be a stupid argument, but um, rhinos in particular, like those, I think those should have stayed monotypic because they're, they're nothing like, any of the other stuff that's in Ganyasoma currently, like personality-wise, completely different. The the persinum are are just as feisty. Like they're this weird in between between the rhinos and the true Ganyos. Like they're just as feisty and pissy as the true Ganyos. They behave more like the rhinos in the fact that they're out and about more. Like if I'm in the room, they're still hanging out. Like they'll sit perched, they'll watch me. Uh, if I go in the cage to do anything with them, they freak out. They start trying to you know take shots at me and then after like five or so of those if that ain't working they just decide to bolt and they're fast uh the rhinos it's like you know you unless you unless there's food in the room you can walk in and grab them like they don't care they could care less i just they're i don't know man that's why i just i have such a hard time getting on board with the whole ganyasoma being spread out to those other other species like radophis and other stuff that I just, I don't see it. I don't get it. Is that, is that actually an argument that they're trying to put rhinos in Rabdophis? 
Radnophis. Oh. No. But Rad like Radnophis is what Persinum was, or Corulum. Again, whatever you want to say there. Right. Um they were monotypic, and then I think for Anatom we're in Radnophis too. And then rhinos were originally Rhinkophis, which was monotypic, like it was just rhinos. Right. And then within the last couple of years, they were like, yeah, all those are Ganyasoma. And it's like, those just aren't the same animal, man. I don't... Sure, like genetically, I'm sure they're all very similar and very close, but I just have a very hard time putting everything else in with the true Ganyasoma, which is Jansen I and Oxys. You know, I just can't get behind it, man. But taxonomy's fake. It's going to change next week, so whatever. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. It's endless. It doesn't end. <clears throat> but they're all awesome regardless. I don't care what they're labeled as. They're they're all sweet. That is you should true. just put them all back in a laugh, eh, man. Call it a day. I, I would second that. Mm. Yeah, man. There's a uh, uh, a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming in the country, and uh, it's about time because I feel like the people that are the people that are frozen. The world was a better place when everything was just a laugh. Eh? It was a much simpler time. That should be a shirt. Make a laugh a great again. Make everything a laugh a again. Old world stuff. Pantherophis. I'll. I'll accept. I like I said. I hate. I hate arguing the science of it because I'm not the one out there doing the footwork and the heavy lifting and stuff. But it's just like some of it. I have to just wonder. Like, really. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. He says it's not frozen. It just keeps bumping him. He said, I'm done, period. Fuck this shit, period. Fuck Xfinity, period. So, I reckon on that note, uh, real quick too, speaking of rhinos, I believe the female is gravid as well. Got a lock from them was probably two weeks ago ish and she's starting to look a little a little thick um which one makes the best display snake sean asked that's a tough one and i mean it, it boils down to do you want something you can handle and like play with or do you want something that is that is purely display um i don't i can't speak on the on the part of Fernatum because I've never kept those uh, eventually I'd like to eventually um, I think in terms of display if you're just wanting something to that is out and about that you don't plan on handling much then then Persinum are, are a good route uh, you know those blue eyes are just stunning the pattern and stuff when they especially when they start puffing up and stuff that white and black striping down the sides really gets pretty extreme and it's pretty interesting um you know they're good for that. Uh, rhinos, I think, 
I'm super biased because rhinos have have become probably my all time favorite snake to keep bar none. Like I have, I have yet to have a snake I've enjoyed as much as my rhinos. Like if I could have a whole room of those things, I would. They're phenomenal. They're super mellow. They're stupid easy to keep. I think the only thing that has sort of barred them from really getting to like that top tier status is is like availability overall, price, and then babies needing so much more effort to get them established uh, initially. But like once they're eating mice and stuff, mine don't refuse meals. Uh, the breeding male does currently, but that's because he's in girl mode. But they're absolute monsters when it comes to food, and they're they're. I don't know that I'd say they're crepuscular. Um, if I check my cameras, like when I'm checking on the Jance and I, like sometimes I'll see the pair that are together, you know, kind of cruising a little bit, but pretty much any time I walk into the room during the day, especially like they're perched and out and they're not like taken off and hiding like the Jance and I are like my rhinos are out all the time. They're super curious if I'm in there, you know, they'll start coming up to the glass and, and trying to find a, a way out. And, you know, they're, incredibly curious uh tons of personality you know they're super mellow they don't you know when they're when you're handling them it's never to me it never seems like it's a a fear thing of like them trying to get away it's it's entirely them being curious about what's going on around them and what stuff is um and they definitely seem on the on the smarter end of in terms of snakes they seem to be a little bit more intelligent um in terms of just spatial awareness and, and stuff like that. So I can't recommend them enough. Like I, I, I don't give mine any heat, minor ambient, whatever the room is, which is typically 80 ish. This time of year it starts to get a little warmer. Um, they just, like I said, they eat like champs. Um, they don't get huge, which is nice. You know, they, you got this pair of, of adults are, are in a cube right now and a two foot cube and, They've still got plenty of space in there. If they, you know, they do have a little more growing to do, but I think you can comfortably keep a pair in a cube. I think you could do even better, you know, if you can give them something a little bigger. Um, and that's like that is a species that, in terms of the whole rack versus cage debate, um, I think you are kind of doing them a disservice by keeping them in a rack. I know plenty of people that have, like, I keep babies in racks. The handful that I've had that I've raised up and started in racks and then got bumped to bio G's and. If you give them, like, they love to climb, so they're big climbers. You know, mine have perches. I don't know if I have a picture handy, but mine have perches all throughout their their cube and stuff. And so they are always hanging out perched. Um, they spend a good bit of time on the ground. Like, my female has a has a half a cork hide that she spends a lot of time in. Um, I have pothos growing in there. The pothos just love those LED lights. They're absolutely exploding. Um let me see if I can have, find a picture of that setup that I have the adults in. I like recently cleared out my my camera roll because it gets inundated. I take a bunch of pictures that I never post. I could go on about these damn things all day, man. Like I, I truly love that species. And my wife and, and child love them too which I think says a lot, you know, it's, it's something that your, your nine-year-old can just walk in and grab and not have to worry about them getting tagged. It's perfect. I think I deleted them. Damn. 
either way, I'll I'll take another picture uh, probably in the morning and post it, and you guys can see sort of the setup. But I've got like those manzanita bird perches, um, coming from all sides except the front where the door is because the door takes up the majority of the front of the cage. Um, I have perches, multiple perches on the other three sides, and then I have some of the uh, some of the manzanita ones, but I also have some of the crepe myrtle ones that I made. Um, also just with like two washers and a wing nut. Uh, so they are removable if I need them to be. They're not as removable as like the conjo perches are where I can just grab them and pull them out. Like I do have to actually unscrew them and remove them. But for the most part, you don't have to do that because, you know, I typically open the door and they come right out and, and want to see what's going on. So they're, uh, they're awesome, man. That little horn is just is super cool. They're such a unique looking snake. Um, color wise, I mean, if you want a... a bluish green snake that isn't a green tree i mean the ones that i have i have two in particular um that that the bellies are like baby blue you take them outside and it's like it almost looks like it's photoshopped or, or tweaked it's just ridiculous how powder blue you know the the scutes are and stuff and then in between the scales you know you get that there's like this electric blue with like white and like it's just it's awesome that species to me is the complete package um, I think if you get, even if it's a younger animal, if it's established on mice and stuff, like you're going to, you're going to enjoy the hell out of them. I think they're, even with the prices currently, um, which I think they're right now, seems like a lot of them are kind of standing at the six or $700 range for, for one, um, which is, that seems like it's been a pretty steady price, but it does seem like they have come down a little bit over the years. Um, I think it's reasonable, you know, considering the species is so awesome and so easy. Um, the babies don't eat geckos. So that's kind of the issue is babies getting them started out the egg, um, given their natural history, which they're typically found fairly close to water and like streams and things. Um, babies start out eating fish. So that is kind of the main hurdle with those and sort of the reason that they I think they haven't really skyrocketed like the top of like the best pet snakes of all time is just because babies do require more work and getting them established and on mice. Um, I fed, so the first baby I ever got from Terry Burwell, I offered it some tadpoles because at the time I had some dart frog tadpoles, um, an absolute surplus of them. So I was like, let's give it a shot. Uh, and that thing snatched those things up in a heartbeat. Um, and getting them transitioned over to mice uh, isn't super difficult. Um, the way people are doing it is they'll take some like rosy reds, you know, some not goldfish, but something similar. Uh, and they'll put them in a water bowl. And then after a couple times with just rosy reds, you'll add a pinky into that water bowl, like a frozen thawed one. And it'll eventually eat that. And then sort of over time, as you do that, you offer them pinkies and less of the fish and they, they sort of transition really well. Um, and sort of the nice thing too, that I, I like about them is like, you don't want to feed them large meals. You know, my adults, I still only feed them fuzzies or rat pups. Um, every now and then I'll give them a hopper, but I think they, you know, after talking to Rob Stone a lot about him, who's like the rhino guy, you know, Rob's bred a ton of rhinos. He's produced a ton of them. Um, that species definitely seems to fare a lot better on smaller meals. So sometimes, you know, if I don't have any fuzzies, I'll give, you know, I'll give them like six pinkies, you know, small pinkies to the adults. 
Um, that seems to be the trick is like feed them more often, but keep the meals a lot smaller. Um, almost like consider them almost more like a nest raider. Like once they hit that, that spot where they're eating rodents, um, feed them, feed them less or feed them more, but feed them smaller. And, and I think the less fur, I think the better too. Cause I've, I've noticed it seems to take them a little longer to get through those, those furred hoppers and things like that. Um, in your opinion, which babies have the highest chance of being blue, those with a white chin or those with a yellow chin? Uh, I don't, I couldn't really say, um, the ones that I have that have more blue definitely seem to have a white chin. Um, that I really haven't paid a whole lot of attention to. And now with the whole, uh, subspecies or species of the Heinonensis, which again, taxonomy, if you want to believe it or not, um, there's clearly a different sort of phenotype going on with those Hainan Island individuals. Um, looking back on it now, I think a lot of people are under the impression that we've been mixing those two for a long time. And so you do get variation in that aspect. Uh, but you also have, you know, Vietnamese animals and then Chinese animals, and you're going to get some variation there too. I'm sure. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which ones produce more blues over the other, but they're, uh, they're all awesome regardless and seeing the change too. I mean, it's that, that ontogenetic color change they go through as babies where they come out like a grayish tan and that just fades into like this weird green, like watching that is really cool. Um, it's just, it's such an awesome species. I, I really, I can, I can go on about them all day long. They're, they're phenomenal. So I will leave it at that. Uh, if anybody has any questions or wants to talk more Ganyasoma stuff, please hit me up. Check out Ectasis Apparel. Follow Black Box Cages on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out at blackboxcages.com. Use the code THN at checkout and uh, save yourself some money. Get yourself a BioG when you buy that rhino rat. And uh, then go follow the fine folks at Puget Sound Pythons. Check them out also. Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to them on YouTube. Check out some of their previous videos. And follow them on Morph Market. See the awesome stuff they've got going on. They're getting married here soon. That wedding's coming up. And uh, help them out. We'll be back Thursday for Corn Stars. Jake is out of town. So no THP. But me and Chris will be back to talk more corn snakes with some awesome people. So be on the lookout for that. Um, for myself and Phil. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network.